Welcome, everybody, to Talking Shop. Of course, I am your host, Steve Batista. With me, the handsome Honduras, Carlos Domo. How are you doing this morning? Good morning. Uh, happy Monday. I'm doing fantastic. It's the start of a week, and uh, just looking forward to the, the 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 trials and tribulations and the good things of the week that we can always grow from. So, how about yourself? I'm all right. Like you said, it's Monday. Uh, got a lot of whole slate of games this week. I think yesterday was the first day off I've had in like. Not that I'm complaining, like eight days, but uh, it was nice. And you know, by day off, I just mean no, no baseball or anything like that. Especially Saturday it was a, you know, Dime Nation. <laughs> they they play in weather that mailmen don't even come out in, and <laughs> it was raining cats and dogs. And I'm telling my friends, I'm going to work. They're like you're still going to work. I'm like, you don't know Dime Nation, man. <laughs> so I had to do three games, and uh, they were wet. <laughs> Some of the what baseball age group. What age? Uh, group it was twelve U. Twelve U. Oh God bless you. Some of those balls were heavier than the balls Ty Cobb played with, man. <laughs> <laughs> they played the dead they, ball era. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. They, well, you know, they get wet and they just they 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 sink. You know, every fastball is a sinker at that point. So wow. you're talking about pressure preparation mindset. Um, as we both, you in college, me in varsity high school, get into the playoffs and uh, the nitty gritty of the season, the August of uh, the season, if you will compared to where MLB is. Uh, and so you said, since playoff are on the corner, it's good for talking shop to use this opportunity to maybe, at least, and for you being more of an expert than I am and somebody I look up to hear you in the way I hope other people can hear you, get into a, a, a good frame of mind to prepare ourselves for the actual real challenges and, and, and where we got to show up the most as umpires. Because that's when the athletes are showing up, and that's when the coaches are showing up the most. So we offer it; we have to be, be there as well. And what are some of those things that we we should look out for that you've strengthened in your career, or things that you personally look out for yourself? Yeah. So the first thing is um, you have to appreciate. You mentioned being a, having a day off, and it's important to recharge. You have to recharge going eight straight days. You know, your body, it takes a toll on your body and not only your body, but your mind, because during the game, there are moments where it can get tense. And, and after a while, your body needs to, to recharge. So look at this point, look at some of those opportunities as a blessing. And as we're heading into the playoff season, you know, a lot of games are becoming more and more crucially important than others because, teams are jockeying for playoff positions to start a good run. And so I think it's important to look back on our season and think about some of the errors and mistakes we made, but look at them because, you know, they could happen in the future. They could happen in some of these crucial playoff deciding games. So it's important to go back and review some of the things that were, were errors only so that we can use that to succeed moving forward. Some of the things I, I want to talk about today are catcher's interference. Everyone knows pickoffs, but then we don't really discuss back picks and the possible, um, you know, no advancements, uh, things like that. Um, with catcher's interference, it's something that happens right away. And it's something where, you know, it's a skill that we're usually taught um, along the road where it happens, the action can happen so quick where the catcher unintentionally puts his glove in a way and the bat hits the glove before the, the bat hits the ball. And 
one of the skills that we learn along the way is to switch from sight to sound because sometimes it happens so quick. So you have to be able to know the difference between, you know, the bat hitting ball versus hitting glove, then ball. And then we have to adjudicate that. Um, and, and the thing is, you have to take your time because if the interference happens and the ball is a base hit, the runner gets to first, you can nullify the interference. However, if the interference does occur and the batter runner does, is put out, then you can call your time uh, and, and put them to first because of the catcher's interference. So that would be the only time interference is a delayed call, right? It is. It, it's going to be a delayed call. And just know that, you know, sometimes when it happens, you don't have to be in a rush. Yeah, you I don't didn't... have to be in a rush. Yeah, you can I take didn't... your time. And what's probably going to happen is if you make that and it's delayed and you make the call and you give the batter runner possession of first because of the interference, then, you know, the defensive coach is probably going to come out and, and try to argue something. And you could say, no, I, I gave myself time to process what happened. I, I knew something happened and I just want to give myself extra time just to make sure that it was the correct call. But yes, it, it's, it's uh delayed dead because yeah, if smacks there's hits a, a double, hit, you right. don't want to kill the play and take the double away. Right. Yeah, it makes so sense. He, yeah, so long as he advances, it it can it's nullified. Yeah, he's yeah. already going to get first. You don't want to take away anything else that more that ha can happen. Correct. Essentially. Correct. Uh, yeah, rules should automatically make sense in that way. Where it's like, oh well, yeah, you don't want to penalize offense. Yeah, that's interesting to me. I, I like I said, rules should make sense right away. And every time I see that happen, I guess it's it, I've never really seen an interference on a catcher happen where they also hit the glove and the ball the bat hit the glove first and then hit the ball and it became a double. I don't think that ever happened, but there was something you said earlier about sight and sound. And I think that's such an important thing that um, umpires, younger umpires need to understand and people who don't know about umpiring that we rely so much on hearing the ball and the glove in particular, that noise. And that, for instance, we don't, when we're looking at first base, you know, and we're seeing a play that's from to first, we can only look at one thing at a time. So we look at the foot and we rely on the sound of the glove and the ball to know what happened first, whether they went, they hit first, they hit the bag or the ball hit the glove. And yeah, transferring to sight and sound is very paramount to to knowing where to position yourself, where to position your eyes and, and how to get the fullness of the play because you can only do so much with your eyes. And that's a good point that you were making in and something that I think everybody should really shore up as they get higher in the season or higher in their career. Yeah, and and you know, think of bang bang plays or whacker plays, right? That where the ball and foot get there simultaneously, you have to make a call, right? And so that's one of the ways you did kind of mention that you will switch from sight to sound because the action does happen quickly and you know, technology specifically the watching the MLB, watching maybe Division One baseball on a higher level, you know, they do have access to cameras where they can review a play, you know, but when you're doing majority of games in high school or all the lower levels, we don't have access to that. Of course, when the plays happen and it goes against, you know, a, a team, you may see a parent say, hey, look at my camera. Look, you to adjudicate, but you can't do that. So, Doing it on the fly is hard. Sometimes the ball 
gets it, it's again it can happen simultaneous where the ball gets it's just about to enter the glove and then you hear pow pow and then you have to determine you have to determine what happened first now this is not a skill that is really trained especially uh when you're taking up umpiring it's something that will happen over time and then eventually as you invest in your skills you know attending clinics and camps and try to get as much information as possible that's something where you know it can be um it will be trained and I've attended camps and clinics where they want you to determine, they say, close your eyes and they'll say, can you determine what happened first? So it's a good practice, but especially now, now around this time, it's important because, you know, a lot of these it's, tensions are going to be high. Why? Because guys and teams are positioning for playoff run. So just know that you can take your time, try to figure out which happened first and make your call and know that a coach may may approach you and you have to be approachable. You know, don't don't get the defenses up. You know, if they come to you politely, you can answer their question and 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 move on. You know, just want don't want to match that energy that's happening in the game for these playoff pushes. Yeah, it never matched energy. I mean, you're a de-escalator and it's part of your job. You should always be at least, you know, you should I tell people all the time, I'm always at a five. If the coach is anything above a five, then that's up to him. But I'm never going to get above a five in terms of like, you know, on the heat measure. And in general, I think that's just a lack of control when and you're, you're overcompensating when you have to get to that level in that position. Coaches is one thing that is, it's not like they're overcompensating. Their perception is is a small scope. It's very myopic. They're only looking at one thing. And anything that goes against them in that moment, it, it might not, they're not looking for, for rationale. They're, they're just looking to put the other side. They, they're mad that they were wronged or, or they're just celebrate when they went, when they went their way. And it's really binary that way. So it's up to you to, like I said, be approachable uh, and, and, and talk them off their ledge and, and give them confidence too. And you can't do that if you're matching them at that fever pitch, because that's just not going to, it's just not going to work. It just, it wasn't working life. It's not like you have to like, you catch more flies with honey, but you just got to be more assuring and telling them the rules. I had situation at Dime Nation over the weekend. It wasn't necessarily a rules thing. It was more of a beyond the rules thing. Um, I don't know what happened. The guy I was working with is very competent umpire. He's very smart. <laughs> and it was funny because the, 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 the elements, <laughs> He he went from one game and he he realized he was underdressed. But when he came back, he legit looked like a hobo, like it looked like a homeless guy just strolling in the field because he was on the basis. And it was so funny. And it's at that point you're dressing to just you know not for the job you have, but for the comfortable <laughs> how to get through this as you want because it was bad. And anyway, he was making all the calls. And when he got behind the plate for the, the last game that I worked, I don't know what happened. The coach complained about something. I forgot what it was, but it was the right call, whatever whatever my partner made. Oh, it was a foul ball call, and it was on the line. And the kid hit it. It hit the kid while he was in fair territory. But to like like we were saying, to one side, it's a foul ball, and to the other side, it's obviously a fair ball. And But it was the home plate guy's call because he had the lines. I'm in the B, the C, or B, whatever position I was, I was in A. Mm-hmm. And the coach, of course, can you ask him? And he's like, no. <laughs> and I'm standing there like, no, I put my hands up. He can't ask me. And 
from what if he did, I would tell him, no, you're right. It hit him in fair territory. So the next two pitches that this kid throws were strikes. But my partner didn't call it. And they were obviously strikes. And he's a good umpire. So I have to default. I don't know him well enough personality-wise to know if he was being a dick. Because I don't know what was said from the coach to the other guy. It seemed a little contentious, which was weird to me because it was kind of obvious that it was a fair ball. So after the second pitch that he did not call a strike, mm-hmm. guy goes time. And I I know the coach more than I know the, my partner. Mm-hmm. And his, his, his name is also Steven. So he comes up. And this is one of the times where I'm like breaking protocol in a way where I, he's going to talk to his pitcher and I'm going to talk to him too. Mm-hmm. And I, cause he's looking at me the whole time he's walking up. He's like, what's up with this fucking guy? And <laughs> I go to the pitcher and I assure, I go to coach. I'm like, Steven, I don't know what's going on. He's like, he's got to have some thick skin just cause he got that call wrong. And I'm, and I'm telling him he got that call wrong. And I'm like, first of all, you shouldn't tell him that he got the call wrong. Cause he got the call. Right. He's like, you agree with him? I'm like, yeah, I agree with him. I was just saying no, that to come up to him because it's not a, um, a reviewable call. He doesn't need my opinion on it. That's all his call. But I, and I was like, I don't know what, what's going on with these last two pitches. I looked at the pitchers, like throw those pitches again. He'll, I'm, I guarantee you he'll call them. Just throw them again. And, and I left it at that. I was like, but, you know, I just try to bring him down. The rest of the game went, went smoothly by comparison, but it was just one of those times where I had to bring the coach down. And I knew both coaches well. Uh, I, don't, I know that coach well by name. I don't know his team, but the other coach, Jose, who's the t- uh, one of the coaches, uh, main coaches of Hustle, Hustle Jersey, they're like a, a big program. Uh, and they're like uh, the Bronx Bombers of Jersey. And uh, he, I had talked to him about the podcast before, like the game. And he was like, that was a beyond rules moment. I'm like, ah, you get it, don't you? <laughs> but anyway, th- <laughs> those are just those moments where you just got to, you don't really get that in varsity and college level. You know, that you don't have to walk coaches off the ledge in that moment. And I don't expect a partner. And I didn't really know him that well to even think a conversation. I felt like if I asked him that might even insult him. So I didn't even know, you know, and it was my last game. So as soon as that game was over, I was, I was Irish goodbye Jones, but those are just those things that in my, in my mind's eye, those, maybe that's not a, a, an actual moment to prepare me for playoffs, but adjudicating and being even, those are things that I just take with me to, to be calmer in those tough situations that are going to be by the, you know, by the book situations, what came first, you know, the, the slap of the glove or the the, t- the leg touching the bag or the foot touching the bag. And, and yeah, those are those situations, man. <laughs> you know what? In, in, in explaining what happened, you gave me enough information that there are some things I do want to talk about. So the first thing is pregame. Some things should be held at pregames. Notate what happened. Bring it up at pregame because, you know, the, the, in my head, it's, it's a slogan. Together we stand, divided we fall. It means that we are Team C who has to be together and has to look like we got it together, together, all right? And with that being said, the first thing I want to talk about is appearance. When you show up to a game, you and your partner should walk on and off the field together, right? We go back to that being united, right? Um, And you have to take pride in how you dress because it's the first line of communication it's saying that you care and you're serious about the craft, regardless of it's a 12U game or a Division One college game. You should look uh, your best and you should look as if you care about the game. That's one. Two, I think that there's ways to 
adjudicate and get together, right? And the first thing, and I thought this was just carnal rule, um, and I learned this the hard way. But if you're if you and your partner want to get together, you remember you you have a signal, whatever it is, for majority of my my partners, I'll just cross my arms and we'll meet in an area. And the first thing I usually say is, hey, don't make any gestures, no up, down, don't don't left to right, cover your mouth. This way, if you and I get together, only you and I can understand what's going on in a way. And, and you want to be in an area where, you know, uh, no coaches are around you. They do come around and say, Hey, go, please kindly. Can you go back? Um, and you want to make sure you're not earshot of usually the pitcher and the catcher. Cause you're usually around between uh, to, to left or right of the pitcher's mound. Um, so you want to keep the conversation low um, at that point, you can kind of discuss what the ruling is or what's going on. And then one, once a decision is made, then the calling official will say what the call is. Um, and if a coach would like to discuss, only discuss with the calling official, not the, not the official who gave information to the calling official. You know, you got to protect that person. Yep. So um, I think that with the strike zone, you know, the strike zone is strike zone, strike zone. And that's to each his own, right? He had a different zone that called the pitch. Of course, you wanted it. So I think that, you know, in between the inning, you can come down. It's one of the rare times I feel that you should come down, um, talk to your partner and say, hey, you know, you were calling that pitch before. I need you to call that pitch again. Or you were calling the top of the zone and now you're not calling it. Or you were calling the bottom of the zone. Hey, stick that. You know, let's keep working. And then give them some encouragement and then go back. This way it doesn't look like an attack, uh, but that you're working together. So, um, you know, I think that's crucially important now because as team are jo- teams are jockeying for, for playoffs and then you get into the playoffs and the games are really, really tense, right? And it could take, for in, in guessing in your games this weekend, you know, your partner making a call and it affecting the rest of the game. Um, and so coaches, you know, sometimes have to be mindful if they get on an umpire because he made a bad call. And I know they're fighting for the team. It's one of the things you want to tell coach. Look, I understand you're fighting for your team and then say whatever you have to say. And I'm going to stay dialed in. I'm going to work harder for you. All right. I understand where you're coming from. You're fighting for your team. I get it. You know, but if you can just communicate that with the coach and then you can um, the escalate situation, I think is great. The other thing is coaches have to be mindful, right? Since we're talking shop, Stephen, right? Mm-hmm. They have to be mindful that if you continue to chastise the umpire, what's going to happen is more people will get involved. And if you're in a location where you have a lot more people, a lot more people are going to get on. And guess what? That umpire is not going to most likely respond, respond well. positively. And the game is going to go really bad. So I know it's not the coach's job to keep an umpire focused, but, you know, you also want to have this, you know, we're human, right? And the crowd can get on that umpire and makes things a lot worse quickly, you know? So I think it's important to have a great pregame with your partner. I think it's important to come to the game focused and ready and dress well. Appearance is that's you're going to be judged from the moment you walk in, you're going to be judged. And if you look like your clothes just came out of your trunk and it's not ironed and your shirt is faded and you're, it's going to communicate the message that you just don't care. Yeah. I mean, it, it's not like you just don't care about the job. It's like this guy don't give a shit. And like you walk around like that just to walk around like that. I don't like to walk around like that in my house. 
you know, like it, it, there's there's levels to leisure, but there's still an appearance like you can be leisure and not be unkempt. But this is a job. You can't be either, you, you know, and you got to have an appearance. But one thing that I think it's important that you were, you were saying is uh, when it comes to coaches, when it comes to to deescalating, you got to plead with them. You can't ask them. Don't demand of them. Plead with them. Put it in the position of what do you want out of this game? Do you want to run smoothly? I understand this guy's being this way. I will help you, but you got to help me. We got to help each other. And if what you want out of this is to have a, a smoother game, this is what you got to do. Let's offer it to each other. I term it in my head as I'm pleading with you. Please do it for me. Don't, you know, do it for the game. Don't do it for him. I don't, I'm not saying you could change your opinion about him. Uh, you don't have to think he's good umpire. I, I, you don't have to think he's good umpire. If he's being that way, I don't think he's good umpire. But this game deserves the the amount of strength we have left to make it a good game together. And we can all do it in spite of a bad umpire, but we can't do it in to spite the bad umpire. That's not going to, you have to pull together. And that's what like, I, I approach him. I'll, listen, throw those pitches again, pitcher. He'll call them. I guarantee he'll call it. And uh, can I guarantee that? Not really, but in my head, I'm like, uh, I think I think he'll just call it again. Like, I have the feeling. And listen, those are pitches that are strikes. And if he's not, then I'm going to talk to him. I really will. But you, but you know what? You got to be very careful with that, brother, because you're united with your partner, right? Oh, you, no, you yes. In, yeah. I'm not trying and to sell so, him down the river. I, would never, I was never giving the impression that he was – that I, I was never – putting his suspicions that he was making these calls to spite him. I didn't think that. Right. I think I didn't, but I didn't, I didn't give any reason. I didn't give an opinion. I said, I looked at him as like, I'm validating your uh, emotions, but I'm not um, giving truth to them. But you can say, to, yeah, I mean, that the I, pitchers, those were, those were good pitches. I know you as a pitcher know that those are strikes, but I didn't say like, I know why he's doing it. I'm just saying, throw him again. Because there's times, from my point of view, there there was a pitch that was thrown, and I called it a ball. And when the patcher threw it back, I'm like, that was my bad. Throw, tell him to throw it again. I don't call it. And I would but go I think, to the coach, and I'd tell him, listen, I missed that pitch. It should have mm -hmm. been a strike. But you see how you did it? That's something, I think, if you reverse it and talk to your partner in between the game, or between the innings, you could say that because yeah, I'm you and I are similar. Like I, I would say it. I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit careful how and when I say it because we make mistakes all the time, but we grow from. So I tend to keep a lot of that after the game, yeah. or you know, I may say whatever you may you can. I mean, if you're saying to the catch, hey, tell the pitch, throw that pitch again. It's twelve you know, years, but, but but quietly, yeah, quietly. You know, then then maybe yes, you know. But as as you know. I think it's I think it's better that it comes from the person who's calling the balls and strikes versus coming from the base guy because you know you, you're kind of agreeing with the pitch, but you gotta be in partnership with your partner because officiating when you're in partners, it's almost like symbiotic, almost symbiotic as you know, a husband and wife. Oh, yes, marriage. It's you would never marriage. throw yeah, you would no. never throw your partner under the bus. And if you did, your wife would kill you. <laughs> So, yeah, but I, and I, and I, was, I wasn't throwing him under the bus. I was saying, I don't know what's happening. I know he's good. He's good umpire. Just throw the pitches again and they'll be called. Like I was right. giving credit to his competency, but not questioning why, like not, not even putting out there why they weren't called. 
I'm just saying they right. will, be, you know, and, so, and, and, and as a partner and as the, the symbiotic, because I've been in that situation and I would hope somebody would do that to me for the. All right. I mean, let me, let me pause you for a second. Right. Okay. Now you just told the pitch of that. Right. And you have a run on first 12 of you. Are they playing 57? 50, are, they, are they? Okay, great. Thank God. So, are you kidding me? So, so you say that right now you got to run on first and you tell him, Hey, you know, he, he's probably going to, he's going to call it right. Boom. He throws the pitch again. Your partner balls it. He turns to you. See, Blue, he's not calling it. Now, what do you do? <laughs> no, of course, I understand. Uh, and I usually, we, we were saying before, uh, when they're older, uh, if there's no consequence on my bad call, then I'm going to, I'm going to wait till the play works out. I'm not going to say that was a bad pitch. Oh, that was a bad call. My throw a pitch again. And then, the next pitch is a ball, and it's ball four, and then a rally starts, and I'm like, "Fuck!" I should. And, then, I just and admitted, looking at you, I just admitted that that strike that should have been strike three. No, if if they if they if the next pitch is strike three, or they pop they pop it up, I'm like, "Damn, man, that that pitch should have been strike three. Tell them to throw it again, because like, the play's over." You know, <laughs> I keep that in my pocket. But no, for twelve view, I, I I consider myself a a, a a ancillary coach. I've re- worked up the reputation. It's a it's a it, like I'm saying, it was it was raining, even in the kids' mistakes. There was a lot of, I mean, the, the Diamond Jacks beat the hell out of one team, and I'm talking to the catcher of the team again. Is asking, I'm like, you know, don't remember these games. Go out there and just this is a, this is the Sandlot, right? I'm just here, play your game, do get better for yourself, and and that's all you can take from it. You know, sure you're getting your ass kicked right now, and these are the things that I. I wouldn't. I, I don't do that at all, all levels. This is twelve view with teams I'm familiar with, coaches I'm familiar with. I looked at that coach, and he needed that in that moment. He's not. That that's what that moment needed. And is it a? It's a calculated risk, and it's a risk that I think it, it, if the circumstances didn't turn out in my favor, still are not as uh. So, uh the fallout is not that bad. This is travel baseball twelve view in the middle of, um, April, and it's raining. You know, I'm just trying to get the game. It's an hour and 40 minute time limit here. Like, let's not stew. It's a good enough umpire. And and, and it worked out that way. So I am calculated in those risks. I wouldn't take that. Uh, I wouldn't make these decisions without uh, without taking the whole scope of what could happen, even if it, it didn't work out in my favor. Because if it didn't work in my favor, it wouldn't work out in my favor, but the overall game would be all right. Well, I give you a lot of credit, Stephen, because at the end of the day, 12U, 50-70, I mentioned earlier. I'm Just give me credit for, for standing anymore. fucking out there. You, oh, my God, <laughs> you'll be a target. Oh, my God. The other day, <laughs> I, I almost went, because I moved just like Michael Jackson out of a play. <laughs> um, yeah, so that that like, those are beyond the rules. They have to be beyond the rules. You can't stay within the rules for 12U. I mean, you they're not even the same rules for every every district. So yeah, when I see an umpire coming out like that, I mean, not an umpire, a coach coming out like that and, and a kid and they're about to get their ass kicked and they did, they did. So these are all, I take this in consideration. I know that team's going to beat that ass. I'm, you know, that picture already feels bad. <laughs> that you know? was funny. I'm sorry. <laughs> and what's this, they're going to do it. So like, I need, it's an hour 40 minute time. I know the coach. Well, I'm taking all these consideration. I wouldn't expect everybody to do that. A first year guy or, or even guys who have all the skills uh, to, as much as I do as an umpire or better, I, I, they're not the same personality as I am. I, 
these are these are not a um the same pegs in the same hole. You know. And, okay, hold up. How how come you weren't doing a varsity game on Saturday? On a weekend? Yeah, because don't they play varsity baseball on Saturday? Uh, no, not really. On the week on playoffs, they do. Also, I try to make all my signers happy. Shout out to all of them. Uh, <laughs> so I I divvy up. Uh, Saturdays domination. Sundays I'll take two be away games in the morning and during the week it's varsity. Marty needs me. Jimmy needs me. Joe needs me. So I try to okay. be nice. To Here's all a question for you. Here's a question for you. <laughs> I'm, for I'm dying to ask this question, right? Obviously you go on various levels and I'm, this talking shop is amazing by the way. How do you adjust, right? Now we're talking about playoff push, playoff games, big games coming on down the next few weeks. How do you adjust your eyes, your mechanics from a 12U game right back up to a varsity game and right back down? Because there has to be an adjustment there. Oh, and softball in between, by the way. Oh, and softball. A lot of eyes adjusting. Any given day, you're doing a varsity, you're seeing, my guess, between – 75 and 85 miles per hour and there were some who could probably you know go low you know high 80s low 90s and then you switch back down you know uh, you know or or again coming off a softball game and then tomorrow you're doing a varsity game at new york city triple a division and you'll have like a monroe versus an inwood like how do you how do you adjust because your mechanics really have to change somewhat between the two and your timing as well I think maybe I'm just so nice that all the coaches don't even realize how bad I am. No, I'm sure. <laughs> no, of course not. Uh, I don't know. It's a good question. You know, I was, I was talking to my cousin, Rob Hidalgo, shout out. He, he listens and he's my best critic because he will never compliment me. He's the dad who never says I love you, but he, he, he I know he does. He does say I love you and he, he does, you know, he's my biggest supporter, but in the way that he, I trust him to, to be the lens that he's been in my entire life since I've been born. And he asked on the, it's going to come out soon, the episode I have with Curtis. And I was just saying how like this year of varsity, especially I'm not learning how to be a better umpire. I, I, I'm not, a, I passed this, that level of learning that or being challenged. I'm learning experiences and, and how to be beyond the rules. But as far as, uh, being where you are and Curtis are and Leon are, I'm not learning at that level. Like I didn't go to a camp like Leon did and totally get, you know, kicked in the balls and be like, shit, I thought I was good. Now I realize how much more I have to learn. I haven't been there in a while. Uh, I've been there personally with the podcast and the struggle of doing something new like that, which is great. But I think what I'm trying to say is it is something that I'm taking into uh, an audit of myself and what I want out of umpiring. And I think I am moving past that. You know, and I'll answer the question of how I personally adjust eyesight and all that. But the philosophy in my head of that is I definitely am at a crossroads where I got to shed some some of it because there is t- too much. There's There will be a diminishing returns in going from such a, a gap in age. And I can't possibly be uh, that good at something if I'm the jack of all trades, you know, the, the master of none. And... Also, personally, I don't know if I want to be a master. I think the podcast has put a lot more out there that goal-wise for me. So I do want to do college. I do want to do my championship games in PSAL. And I do love Domination and 12U is fun, but I don't know if I could do it all and and give my all as good as I 
I can be for each, especially if I when I go to college. That that, that something's got to give. So, as far as adjusting my uh, eyesight goes, you know, in, in the podcast I was talking with Curtis, uh, it's gonna be like a because <laughs> the audio was shitty. We we gotta either I have to listen to it and pull the best part, or we have to re-record it. But we're talking about strike zone, and one of the key things I want to get out of that because he was telling me that he doesn't move ever. He when he's in the slot, no matter what type of catcher it is, he doesn't move which I find fascinating. He's a little taller than I am, but not that much. And I don't think it's about height or anything. So I move a lot. I move according to talent and size of the catcher. But generally, when I'm at the what I would say the, the best level, the highest level, as far as age and skill, I stay in the slot, the the batter's box, the line for righty batter's box, the, the line closest to home plate is directly down the middle of my, you know, the center of me. And I'm, you know, my left hip is, a, is more forward than my right. And I have my hand on the catcher's back. Okay. All right. So are you saying that the midpoint, just make sure I hear you right. The midpoint of your body is on the aligned with the point of the plate. Is that what you're saying? Uh no no no, the batter's box, mm-hmm. the 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 far line the the line closest to home plate, inside line yep your line yep that's going down the middle of me gotcha gotcha and uh and my hand on the catcher's back mm-hmm. when they're older <laughs> what what if, what if the catcher says you know and, and this has happened to me what if the catcher says hey do you mind not putting your hand on my back now what do you do uh well I've never had that happen. Honestly, uh, I, I own. I, I believe you. <laughs> uh, if that happens, and I, uh, it's no big deal. It haven't happened, but I, I'm not. Some of the catchers are too small. Sometimes, even if that at, at a high level, they're my size or a little bit. So I don't have to do that. I do that. Uh, I do that for purposes where I, I can have, I can move out of the way more. I know I can anticipate feeling them come up more. But uh, for the most part, I don't usually do that because it's only that level that I do that. Every other level, especially softball, I'm not putting my, the, my hand on a, a girl's back. <laughs> just just to be frank. And kids, same thing for the same principles. And same principles that they're kids and they're, they're usually smaller. I don't have to do that. My hands go under my... I, I adjust my timing with the pitcher to to get in my head for balks or quick pitches. If I'm not set, that, that's telling me right there that there's a quick pitch and you balked. Um, and that's usually a good, a good sign. But when they're, when, when they're set and they're about to pitch, my hands go in. I grab the under my back of my knee to keep my hands out of the way. And I get like a, I get pretty small, but I could see as long as I see uh the outside corner and the direct path to the catcher's glove. I get into that position, whatever that position is, that's the position I get into. Generally, generally it's that what I said, that is the, the position I would stay static in if, if everything's, you know, but the pet could pitchers calling for inside, Oh, catch calling for inside pitch. I got to adjust. I got to stand up a little more, but 
And Curtis was saying, no matter what, you you know, at the end of the day, too, for all umpires, whatever position it is that's going to get you to see the play, the pitch, the most optimal way, just don't look stupid in doing it and silly and and unsure. Stay still, but get into that position. Doesn't matter what the the standard calls for. Everybody wants to call right. So that's how I look at it. Gotcha. So so the question I had for you, especially as we're getting into, you know, the 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 thicker part of the season where the games are more meaningful, you making that adjustment from a 12U game to a varsity game. Um, and since we are talking shop, I want to, as you talk about that, I want you to have these two situations in mind. Um, you know, we talked about the pickoffs and back picks and, yeah. and, um, you know, of course the speed of the, the speed, of the ball changing from, I, I don't know what they threw at 12U all the way up through, you know, mid to, to it, it, mid it ranges. 80s. It ranges. Yeah. Like yeah. the kid that was <laughs> hurling the, the, in the first game. And there was another beyond the rules situation because this kid was throwing as fast as a 12 year can throw. I mean, it could get to 70, I would believe. This kid was throwing heat and he was wild. Rain, he was getting in his head and he plunks one batter. <laughs> And then he, he figures it out. But as he plunked one batter, I think there was one out. Must have been the kid's dad. He was the first base coach. He comes down. He looks at me. He's like, when are you going to get this fucking kid out of here? He's, he's throwing all over the place. And I'm like, whoa. I know, right? Like, and, and maybe not verbatim, but he definitely cursed. And that was the that was what the essence of what he said. And I look at the, I look at the coach. I'm like, he hit one batter. And the the pitcher starts barking at the, the, the I guess he heard something in the bench. And I go, time. I go, pitcher. You and the catcher. That's it. And I look at the coach. And I go, and he, he he's like, guys, he told this bench to stop. And then the kid strucks out the next two batters. <laughs> so I go up to the pitcher, and I'm like, that is how you respond. Remember that. But, um, but yeah, no, in 12 you, you get you get wiffle balls to baby Kershaw's. It, it does, it, it, you never know. Yeah, but do you, uh, get, do you get back picks? For example, at the at the twelve U level, because you're going fifty seventy. But are the catchers really good enough, you know, to try a back pick? Yeah, Whether they're good enough. First, second, they're yep. good enough. But do the, you see but the have cat- it open? Ooh, well, well, they're good enough. But I think they don't realize the person that they're throwing to is good enough to catch the ball. You know, so it, the catchers who are good enough won't make the throw. I, I have to find myself telling catchers or people, hey, you got to know the talent that you're throwing to. You got to know the people. Maybe you caught the play and maybe you were right in making that pickoff, but they, they resist to do it because they realize the person that they're throwing to. So I don't see it in that in the direct battery, meaning, mm-hmm. yes, I might see a catcher capable of doing it and they might try it, but I'm not seeing in the fullness of what the play, the, the skill level that it demands. So I'm even in high school. Uh, I don't know. That's not something that those are extra. Those are, those are awareness plays that you don't draw up. Those are opportunistic plays that you got to see, you know, and that comes with where you are. However, let's let's talk about this because it's not just where I'm at. You're doing high school varsity. You have a runner on second. You're in the C and there's a pickoff. Yeah. And, and that's where you have to proper, you know, your proper training should now, you know, take your eyes to the play and then, there could be opportunity for sight and sound as well because, 
you know, and you got to be, you got to see where is that Mr. Shortstop who's doing the, who's coming back for the pickoff throw. Where's he coming in? Because that's a possible obstruction blocking the base or getting to the base or baseline before the ball is there. So in your games, have you seen that recently? And, you know, is that something that's critical to pay attention to, especially now, because, you know, a game can be won and lost based on that decision and that call. So what do you have? You have you had that? And what are you planning to do to prepare your eyes for that action? Um, I guess it goes back to what you were saying uh, before about pregame, right? And just pregame for myself, not, not just talking to my partners, understanding where I am, how I got to change. So I would say for the most part, I do one day a week where it's non-varsity, and that's domination. And sometimes even in domination, you get travel teams that are on the big field. So that adjustment's not so vast. But even in domination, you get 12U teams who can probably beat the shit out of some varsity teams on the uh, on the a, a, a level, you know, or at least they have players who that 12U guy who pitched that guy can he's a he he can strike out some some low level Bronx teams. So it's all about adjustment. Like that's what I'm saying. It, it could be varsity, it could be Inwood and Monroe, but it could be Morsena and and Eagle Academy, and same age, but the skill level requires such a vastly different eyesight, timing, all that. And I think it's all about, I got to hear if I'm in the C position in that scenario you're talking about, and there's a, a shortstop, and I'm listening. I'm listening to the coach. He's not in your pocket anymore. So I know what the situation is. I know who, where the where the fielders are. I'll take a peek. You know, check your runners, check your, you know, check it, check where your fielders are. You have got to do the same thing as an umpire. You got to take that in consideration. Why are they doing it? Why are the pitchers doing it? Why are the coaches doing that? And I, I've picked that up as much as I thought I knew about baseball, as much as my friend JP says he knows more about baseball than me. He, that's the things that I know because I'm a part of the game every day. And look so at I, that. That's beyond the rules. Oh, yeah. Right? Beyond the rules because so, you took in those cues. So and if shortstop is you... not in his pocket, he's not in my pocket either, too. Right. So I know he's backing out and he's getting more into his position. And and these are things that I just gotta I gotta know where I am. And and the and you know what, man? The environment comes with it. I know I'm on Monroe's field. I don't need to get up for it or psych myself up. I know Mike Turo's over there, you know, and then I get another game where it's the Diamond Jacks versus the New Jersey hustle. That is as competitive as a 12U game is going to get. I, I get up for it the same way I do for Inwood and Monroe, those teams. So, you know, a good official knows the rules, but a great official knows the, the game. And I know what game I'm there to do and what game I am to officiate. Uh, just last week, uh, it was uh, Bronx Science Softball versus uh, Beacon. And just at ground rules, you know, you got uh, – <laughs> It's funny that the importance of goddamn ground rules, bro. <laughs> I told him before the meeting broke up, hey, tell your team, because in softball, captains, which I think this should be in uh, varsity baseball too, captains come up with the coaches to hear the ground rules so they can relay it to their team. So captains come up in softball, and I was like, tell your players, listen, if there's a play at the plate and the catcher is standing at home plate, run around her, I will award you safe. Please do not make contact. Understand that. I know that's hard in the heat, where, but if she's running 
you cannot be, you're, you know, I pleaded with them too. You're Bronx science, you're beacon. You got, you guys are not stupid schools, right? Okay. So you understand the concept that you can see somebody staying at the plate, run around them. Don't make contact slide. You slide to avoid contact on the basis or just avoid contact in general. My partner and I will adjudicate properly and give you the base. We know what we're doing. And I look at my partner, right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Game happens. There's a play at home. Now, the catcher at first was not in a position to give the runner a clear path. But then the play was coming, so the catcher actually had to move to go get the ball. She's jumping in the air for the ball. The runner, unfortunately, people think that the baseline is a direct path from base to base. They don't understand that the baseline is only established when a tag is put on the runner. A runner can run around the field wherever they want there is no baseline, people. The baseline is only established on a tag. I know that might be hard for you to, for people who don't know what I'm talking about to conceptualize, but when a runner is out of the baseline on a tag, it's basically three feet from when they are trying, when the defensive player is trying to put a tag on them. So if that runner moves out of the way three feet away from that, then they're out. But until then, there is no line. So the runner jump, the 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 catcher is jumping up to get the ball. And the runner from third is going home and runs straight into the goddamn catcher like Pete Rose in the All-Star game. Mm. And I go out. Now, luckily, these are two coaches who understand how much they don't know. Great. Thank you. I love that. <laughs> and I found myself in the situation where I get Bronx signs a lot. I'm in Harris Park a lot, regardless. I get both the boys and the girls, so they know me well. And I talk to coaches, I talk to parents, you know, I'm affable. I always think you can't over communicate. The more information coaches and parents have, the less likely to argue whether they disagree with you or not. And that'll, that really remains true for the most part. And in that play, call out, boom, I think it was the third out. While the dust is settling, I find myself explaining the play to a parent and I go, I put my hand up and even the parent who I'm cool with on a communication basis he he puts his hands up and goes like this like okay right 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 we like go talk to the coach so i go to the coach and i explain to him everything that i said baseline established blah blah, blah. and i could see his face go okay all right and i'm gonna lay, i'm gonna have to layman's terms i'm gonna have to go beyond the rules i was like coach in that situation the catcher has to jump up and get the ball right you saw that the catcher has to jump and get the ball they're not their eyes are not on anywhere but the ball that's in the air your runners coming down they had they, they can see everything that's happening it is behooven be it is up to them to run around they are seeing the play and not only that if they actually ran around the catcher she could have just went home <laughs> and she wouldn't have been out and she would have been safe by a mile even if there was a tag like you have to understand that, that the runner can see what's happening the catcher can't that's the responsibility of the runner to not initiate contact which is exactly what i said in ground rules he understood and then when slide the or settled, avoid, slide or avoid, slide or avoid. And when the dust settled, I went to the parent, and you will love this man. You will fucking love this. That parent was understanding and listening to me. But then another person comes up, and he was like, "Why'd you call out?" And I explained to him, he's like, "No, no, no." He was disagreeing with me. And the parent goes, "Oh, but you should listen to him. He's a coach." And I go, "Sorry, the day that I listen to a coach over the rules is the day that I'm not a good umpire." <laughs> like it was funny and, and he, he laughed he was like i was like you get the concept of you coming 
come telling me, oh, you should listen to him because he's a coach. First of all, how the fuck am I supposed to know that this guy's a coach? Secondly, like, what does that mean to an umpire? Listen to him because he's a coach. Like, come on. Like, yeah. it was just funny. It was just funny. And But I explained to them the rules. And then I was like, hey, you like the, you like the way I explained it? I was like, here's a sticker. Check out my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Brick, you know what? We got to get more listeners. I like how you do that. Well, here's another question. I, I, I do want to go back to that at some point. Um, definitely want to address the back picks, but this is also a good segue into exit strategy. All right. And, and here's what I mean by exit strategy. Uh, as I mentioned in, in uh, collegiate ranks, you have to do things the way the coordinators want you to do it. And I have a coordinator, I'm not going to mention his name or a signer in, in high school level who says, Hey, he, t- he, he told me one time, he said, Hey, when you leave the game, when the game is over, go through the go through the Wind dugout teams. area. Well, he said go through the, the, the area that gave you a lot of grief. And if you know me, I'm kind of a tough minded person. And I said, Do I know really? the designer? You don't know him. So <laughs> during during the during this clinic, the guy who was who was uh in charge of us, who who was our evaluator, he's a former um former sheriff. And 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 during the game, he said, go through the winning team. And I looked at him and said, uh-uh, I'm going to do as my coordinates say, I'm going that way. <laughs> so I mm-hmm. went through that dugout and uh, no one said anything. All I kept getting was compliments. Good call, good call, blue. And uh, I just kind of just walked off. That Now, that that's being bravado, right? I, I, I think now I would change that. Um, and, and yeah, you should go through the team that's winning, um, go through that to avoid. But with that being said, you know, depending upon where you're at, whether it's New York City or Domination, um, I know they're two different areas. Got to have an, an exit strategy because, you know, parents or coaches or people may come up to you. So being that these games can come down to one run, it could be a crucial call where, you know, it could have been a 50-50 call. What is your plan? What are you going to do when it's time for you to exit? And be, be, bear in mind, this is something I think you should cover at, um, you know, pregame so that when it happens, you know, you're not, your partner is not there talking with someone else. We used to be running off the field and leaving. Um, you know, what is going to be your plan? Because these are going to, some of these games are going to be critical. You're going to have to make these calls and you're going to have parents running to you. And are you going to answer them and, if you're not, you know, what is going to be a strategy? Because I know my strategy would be like, oh, hey, let me go change. I'll come right back. I'm out of here. You know, mm-hmm, so really? so what's going to be your strategy for these uh, for these moments? Well, I know I, I, this is what it comes down to. Like, you've just had more time in the game than I have because I do think about these things. But shit has happened. Um, at Diamond Nation, it is one of the calls that uh, I did, wasn't sure. It was pretty uh, – it was pretty bad. Like uh, – the the play was it was twelve view, stimulation. Did, did it affect the outcome of the game? Oh, it the affected the outcome of the game right the fuck away. Okay. So what <laughs> uh, was your okay, exit strategy? Because you oh, gotta no, know this. Yeah. So the situation was, pitcher was mowing down the team, mowing down, and then he ran into trouble, and those runners on base, it was a pop up, and he basket catched the ball. I thought he hit the ground first, and he looked at me instead of addressing the play still. In his head, disagreeing with the call, he he froze up. Kids ran. The wheels fell off. When I tell you, they were up by like seven runs. He was mowing through people. And after that 
in it could have been an out or not out, what I call it safe. You know, he didn't catch no catch. I think they tied the game in that inning and went on to brutalize them. It was the most swinged call in the history of Steven Batista. <laughs> and after that, it was the last game of four, and it was late Diamond Nation, which I don't do four games at Diamond Nation, and I don't work um, – I hardly ever work night games anymore. There is something to leaving Diamond Nation when you're the last game. All the lights are off on every field except yours. It is – it's whack. <laughs> Been there, done that. Been there, so, done that. As I'm walking off the fucking field to the umpire's parking lot, like people are not listening, we, Damnation provides you with a good exit strategy because we don't exit the same place. We have our own parking lot and we go through. I see this motherfucker's pet, this, the pitcher's parent there. And immediately he goes, can I show you something? I'm like, no. He's like, why? I'm like, you cannot ask me politely to entertain you when during that game, you were shitting all over me. Like, you don't get to have it both ways. And he's, like, insisting to show. And I'm walking. He's following me. And right, we're about to get to the gates where it's the parking. It, like, it's these gates are from the entrance to, to the parking lot where, where the umpires park. And I'm like, sir, if you don't get the fuck away from me right now, something's going to happen. Like, you got to get away from me. And that was the end of that. So that was actually the most I've ever been follow after a game and it's funny it happens at diamond nation but as far as their strategy goes which is like the disney world of baseball yeah exactly <laughs> it is exactly that <laughs> that's a perfect way to put it why well, um, you're like mickey and the power is chasing you yeah, jesus christ like you know, I, goofy help me <laughs> so um so as far as it depends on the partner right if i know a partner uh, it's funny because if I if it was you, I don't think we'd really have to talk about an extra strategy before a game. We're both Bronx natives. We've both been there, done that. In terms of like where we were, we know we both know how to handle. You know, even with somebody I know too, like uh, you know Jimmy Junior. We don't really have to communicate that. Like we had a, a game like that where it was wild, and we we stayed. We walked off together. Especially I'm in Cortona. I don't leave Jimmy hanging like that. You know he does. He knows his way out, but he doesn't know his way in, if you know what I mean. And uh, <laughs> so that was that that's was, hilarious. Uh, so, I hope he listens. Oh, <laughs> uh, I hope so too. <laughs> Shout out to Jimmy Jr. I love the guy. But no, and those like you gotta just know your surroundings and but there's honestly some guys where they're good umpires, but if something did pop off and it was kind of their fault. I'm not saying I'm abandoning them, but if they want to stay and find out how bad they were, you know, after the game, that's up to them. <laughs> like if, you know, like get out of there. <laughs> Some umpires stay as if like that's going to sort of soften the fact that we all saw them suck. You know, like shit, I, I can only help you so much. And and if you suck that badly, I want I want to go too. So I think it's all situational. I do think I personally need to stay more. I'm going to get the fuck out of Dodge guy. And even with coaches that I know and love and I have a good relationship who have been in the podcast, I'll text him on the car. See you. Bye. Yeah. You, know? you, you, and that's your MO because every, every sport we've worked, especially with the wrestling, <laughs> it's like, bam. Well, wait, wait. <laughs> to be fair, to be fair, to be fair, to be fair. In the beginning I stayed because I know I need to hear, but there was, there was times where not to say that I, I knew 
the the after locker room speech wasn't for me. So if I have to go and I pick my spots now, it doesn't matter. I stay to listen, to be the leader and to be representative of what I want to be. And that's a leader in our, especially within ref, wrestling referees. I don't consider myself the same leader in umpires. I kind of consider myself a challenger to, to umpires because I don't like the way shit goes down. I love the way shit goes down in wrestling refereeing. I think it's great. I think there's nothing I would I have no notes as they, as they say about that. I want to stay and I want to commit myself to that and, and bring it to the new generation. I, there's not a lot I want to bring to the new generation in the way umpiring is. So maybe that is sort of, uh, maybe I think that is part of the, I don't really like to, to review what happened in that way or uh, see teams off also because baseball is long, man. And, you know, I've been out there. It's late. Yeah, I got. I did a game with Taft. Oh my God, I was, I was busting. Uh, shout out to Charles Britt, who I know is listening to this podcast. You know, he's got. I tell him he's lucky, man. Uh, you cannot coach in the suburbs with that attitude, Mister. <laughs> like, in those litigious places, you lucky you coach in the Bronx, man. And uh, he was joking with me. He's like, you know, I got lights. I'm like, how do you in Taft High School? It's like, you know third world out there have your own field with flights how did you get that and he's like and they take like a half hour to warm up i'm like you better turn those bitches on now <laughs> but luckily they didn't they, this is one of those games because it was taft and i forgot the other school and you know you're watching the pregame and you're like this is gonna be a long game i'm already planning my exit strategy and it does not involve staying and seeing the teams off and wishing my partner you know hey see you later it's like shit how far how fast can i get to my car but the game went decent and and went two hours and 10 minutes, which was well, a blessing for that game. And I stood around. I talked to Charles, who I very much respect, and to the other coach, Jose Soto. I remember him. Great guy. And, that, you know, after that, I, I, I was in no rush. I stayed and I talked. There was no need for a negative strategy. And I sort of, you know, wanted security to walk me to my car. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but those are situations where if the game goes smoothly, timely i'll stay i'll shake hands good job good job good job but you know times like eagle versus morrisania i'm grabbing jimmy jr and we're getting the fuck out of there man yeah i can't i can't speak for those teams i had um morrisania this past year but um you know brit brit is a good coach he he really is intense he really <laughs> is passionate most most coaches are but one thing's for sure you know before and after he's always a gentleman and uh, I bumped into him a number of times when I lived in Parkchester. I used to bump into him all the time. But yeah, very, very good coach. But getting back to He's like a mean version of you. Like a big intimidating <laughs> guy. During the game, he's intense. No, no, no. I mean exactly, but you I, your intense is not mean, but you can be intense. He's like at a times. But he's mean, but he's not mean spirited. And if that's what you gotta you gotta know where it's coming from. Like that's right. Like, if you just hear it. That's why I said in the suburbs, man, they're not going to, they will take that for granted in a negative way. They're not taking it for the way that the players are. Ask the players how they feel about it. You know, don't, you know, don't, don't judge it for how you think you feel about it. Who cares about you? It's yeah, not for you. That is, that is absolutely, that's, that's true. So just want to get back to the, the uh, exit strategy. I do believe that, especially when it comes to things that you're going to be doing, uh, me, I may not be doing, but PSAL playoffs, right? Baseball playoffs. Um, they go three-man system. We're not going to get into three-man today, but the key here is that 
with the PSAL if the home team, the home teams, that group provides the home plate umpire and the team that's coming away, they provide two base umpires, right? And so it's the first time for the most part, you're probably working with these individuals because they're in different boroughs. So, you know, you're probably going to have a pregame in a parking lot somehow. You probably speak the day before, make sure um, how you're going to coordinate things. You have a pregame and a postgame. But I think it's important that once the game is over, you go to the parking lot and exit. There's, to me, there's no other re- there's no reason to stay on that site once the game is over. No one wants to be really the team who lost, especially in the playoffs. They, they don't want to chat. They're probably upset that they lost and they probably blame part of it on you. Um, the winning team, they're happy, but they just want to celebrate. There's no reason. Once the game is over, I think you go to your car, you know, maybe have a post game um, if you feel safe in the environment and you go. The other thing is um, I worked with Rich Rinaldi two weeks ago, which I love working. I know you're going to bring him on at some point. Yes. Um, and one of the cool things is when you have good partners and you work with individuals after the game, hey, you know, we got together, we grab a bite, a uh, beverage of choice, and we just, you know, we talk shop. In that aspect, we talk shop, we talk about things that happened in the game, things that, um, you know, could have gotten better, um, things that uh, went very well. Um, and I think, I think it's important to have a, a post game so you can learn from things that happening. But getting back to, you know, you got to have an exit strategy. So going back to game is over, leave through the winning team's dugout, I think as quickly as possible. There's nothing else to really discuss unless you want to, you know, if the home team or team who won, they got baseballs, drop the baseballs. If both teams provided baseball, I'm tossing two here, two there, and I'm out. Get your car. You may have some parents who are not happy. You know, I think once all your partners are in the car, both drive off together, you know, and maybe you want to go to a neutral site somewhere else to kind of discuss. But, you know, depending on the environment, you may want to get out of Dodge. Back, back, back in the day, if you were at GW, you know, the crowd would get crazy. You have GW Monroe. I don't know what, what it's like these days, but you'll have like that big rivalry, you know, and, you know, as soon as the game is over, you, you want to get out of Dodge. Um, and I remember also Alan Wharton for soccer. I remember he said he had a game back in the day at um, Springfield High School. And I remember it was a soccer game and I don't know who their rivalries are, but I know that community area, that community over there is really big on their soccer. And he made a call and, you know, once he left, he started walking, he walked out the building and a, the, one of the players, you know, ran after him and, you know, had all kinds of names to call him, you know, and um, he, he was by himself. Had he left with his partner, they would have had more of a safety. And and lastly, with that, even football this past year, I was blessed to work the PSAL uh, large school championships. And um, as officials, we got together for breakfast. And when we came to Springfield Gardens, ironically, that that's where the championship game was played. We all parked close to each other. And towards the end of the game, there were some things that were said with the team who lost. And coaches who made some comments and gestures, all kinds of stuff. And luckily, there was security there. And when we left as a crew, we all left to the same parking area where we were. So everyone was able to leave together. So I think that's important, especially as we wind down towards games that are important, playoff games. I think it's important. Once the game is over, there's really no need to be there. Just have an exit strategy of ways you're going to you're going to leave and that you leave together. And even if somebody is taking the train, you know, maybe make arrangements that, hey, you know, you're not going to 
go to the nearest. I'm going to take you two train stations down if you have to give them a lift or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny you bring up, um, you know, I'll, I'll leave it at, well, this will be, yeah, we didn't get to the second point because the point is so important uh, uh, about misconception of umpires. Next episode. But um, talking about PSAL and playoffs and home team brings the, that, that city's, you know, the home plate. I had a similar situation. The higher seat, yeah, the higher seat gets the, the higher seat gets the, the the home brings the home plate. Yep, so, and the away team gets the South Bronx umpires. Yeah, it was South Bronx versus uh, some team from Queen Scholars Academy, and South Bronx. I was I was the home plate guy, and the way South Bronx was structured, it was a Saturday game. I was there early. I know South Bronx very well. Frank Cologne, shout out to Frank Cologne. He retired this year. I'm gonna get Mario on the podcast to talk about it later. The guy who took over for him. So. By the way, just I'll, I'll go back to Frank. Very, yeah, I've known Frank a long time. In fact, uh, I played. I was teammates with Frank Cologne Jr. Oh, so wow. we go back anyway. So go ahead. Yeah. So, so game was. I was there at ten thirty. Game was supposed to start at eleven. Ten forty five. Ten fifty. Ten fifty five. No other umpires. Queen's Scholars Academy coach is calling, and and then like the eleven oh five. Here comes freaking Tweedledee and Tweedledum strolling down. <laughs> and no, no, I say that because they were assholes. Uh-oh. Um, so Don't let me South, look up who they were. South Bronx is, one of them looked like if Mario was a, Mario from Mario Brothers, it looked like if he was a cop, dressed like an umpire. They, they're coming down to give people a visual. It's a football field that also is a baseball field, so... All the way down at the other end is where the parking lot is. You got to go a bunch of stairs. Mm-hmm. It's it's a long walk, three hundred feet. <laughs> and uh, so these these guys are coming down. I say, I'm dressed for plate. One of them's coming down dressed for plate. I'm like Jesus Christ. And as soon as they come up to me, I'm like I stick on my hand, and they're like one of the guys is like Where were you? I'm like Hold up. I'm like Hold up. I don't even know you. Let's introduce each other. And yeah, the other guy had to go back and change. It's like they're both like. We didn't see you. I'm like, you didn't think to look. You didn't think to look, but it goes back to. Wait, hold up, hold up. The game was for eleven o'clock. Eleven o'clock, and then eleven five, and they're coming down, and they're like, we didn't see you. At that point, didn't you think that I might be on the field? It was very. Ah, uh, you know what? And that's part of okay. And I'm glad and that's what you I'm mentioned saying that about pre-match, pre-game, because I would have. It should have been handled differently. They could have come at and looked at the field. You can still go up the stairs and see me. Like you have mm-hmm. the full scope, but yeah. So so what and and it's one of those things that has to be discussed. And part of the problem here is we have different different assigning boards, right? So now you're working with partners you've never worked with before, but then and no arbiter. The other thing what well, well, exactly, right? So most other groups outside of the Bronx, unfortunately, tend to use an electronic um, scheduling system like Arbiter, right? And they're probably using Arbiter. But even if you were assigned, right, because Arbiter doesn't have your information in there, right? You're, you're not part of their system. So I think for, for things yeah, like this. You can click. No. Here. Okay. What, what I mean by that is. It has uh, a number. Queen, okay. So Queens is assigned by Paul Gaveri, Right. You're not in Paul Gavari's system. So your contact information isn't there when he assigns it to his his officials. And Bronx doesn't use a electronic like an arbiter. And even if they did, you would get that assignment from, from John and Jimmy, 
And so because you're not in the same database, you're never going to know. So I think it's important for the playoffs. And like this is more of an assignment problem. So this is not really your problem. The one yeah, thing the right I think hand you doesn't want what the left hand's doing. Right. But the one thing I think moving forward to do in this situation is the general rule is that, all right, you are you arrive to the site 30 minutes before the game and you're probably waiting in a parking lot. You know, you have like what I find is that most umpires, if they have a car or they have a, a, a truck, most a lot of guys I don't have trucks. They have their um, the hatch open because th that's usually like and they have a chair to identify that they're umpires. I think so I, know I think moving going. forward, we need a yeah. flag. We need a flag. Put it on. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Just moving forward. Let this be a learning piece that when you're working with groups, and again, this is really only for PSAL unique because there's different for each borough almost. There's different assigning boards, and you may not know. Like, you, you probably we never might get met Paul Gamera. get cut off. Okay. Yeah, so, no, yeah. I... Yeah. So, you may not know Paul Gaveri, but the general th rule of thumb is, and even if you work with some of these other groups, you are sitting in the parking lot in your car, but the trunk is open or you have a chair outside. So they know, oh, he's an umpire. Yeah. I, in retrospect, I should have just been in the parking lot and I would have mitigated that. But, you know, it is what it is. So, yeah, I mean, like, listen, there's so much to talk about. That's what Talking Shop is, the essence of. I had another subject plan. Like I said, we'll get to that next episode. Um, but, and I left it on the back burner because it's not as important as getting through these things. You're talking about PSL and high school and how to prepare. Like these are things that all umpires should listen to, especially future PSL umpires, the current ones. So, and I've learned a lot. And, and that, that experience, like I said, that even though those two umpires came in hot in the way that they shouldn't have, there was things that they could have done. But what I could have done was walk, taking the walk across the field, all 300 feet and seeing if they were there. And I could have mitigated a lot of stuff, but you know, the game went all right. It was the walk off ball, infamous. So it didn't go all right for Scouts Academy. Sorry for them. But uh, it was just one of those things that, you know, you got to learn the game beyond the rules. And Talking Shop hopefully provides everything, everybody a platform for that. I know it does for you and I. So thank you, Carlos. Another edition. We got three in the bank, buddy. Boom. So talk to you Boom. next time, buddy. Yes, sir, man. You have a good one. And until then, Let's get the right calls and let's make as many mistakes and get it better for next time. Be well. Always get into position to make the right calls. All right, guys. Take care.